thank you to Nicholas and the uh, entire Capital Link team. Um, we're, we're all here, almost. Um, Evan uh, gives his apologies. But uh, just uh, a, a thank you to uh, Nicholas and the entire Capital Link team. Um, a great event, as always. And I think it was mentioned uh, that it's, it's the 14th year uh, in Athens. Uh, in my case, I think uh, it's, it's about the, the 12th uh, year that I've been working with uh, Nicholas Olver and the Capital Link team. So at this stage, I'm just pleased that they haven't got bored of me. So welcome. We'll, we'll be um, moderating the uh, Commercial Banking Summit panel uh, this year. Um, it's, uh, it's entitled Adapting to New Commercial and Industry Realities. Um, and with, with the amount of things that change in, in shipping over, over 12 months, I think it's probably a, a title that we could have every year. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure uh, our, our panelists will, will have uh, plenty to say on the, on the topic as well. Um, just to briefly introduce uh, myself uh, and the panelists, uh, my name is Jason Chohan. I'm Head of International Finance at Hill Dickinson. Um, uh, another stellar list of uh, um, international banks and, and, and panelists to, to help us with the discussion today. Um, to my left, Anastasia Tsuneva, uh, Global Head of Shipping at ABN AMRO. Uh, Vasilis Maroulis, Managing Director, Global Industry Head, Shipping Logistics and Offshore at Citi. And Christos Sakonas, Head of Global Shipping at DMB. And as I mentioned, apologies from, from Evan Cohen of, of CIT, who wasn't able to join today. Um, so with that, um, and uh, catching up on our time slot, we'll uh, uh, get straight into the questions. Um, as usual, we'll start with an overview of the, of the prior 12 months and, and, and what the banks uh, uh, anticipate for the year to come. And just to give a, a bit of context to that, uh, as, as I mentioned, a year in shipping is a very long time. Um, several of the topics from, from last year, for example, de decarbonisation, obviously, energy crisis, geopolitics, war, interest rates, they're still all relevant topics for today, perhaps from a different perspective. Um, decarbonisation, which we'll uh, speak about in particular, has, has perhaps moved a bit more on from the, the why uh, and now a little bit more focused on the, on the, on the how and when. Um, energy markets have adapted in good and bad ways, but we, we still have uh, war uh, and shipping routes being affected again. So in that context, I think the first question we'll start with is how have each of the banks weathered the different storms and their shipping portfolios over the last year? Anastasia, would you like to start with that one? Okay. That's, that's quite a big question to, to, to start with. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, well, shipping is an uh, industry that I would say can weather a lot of uh, storms. And um, as always, last year we also went uh, with, uh, with, with the waves. It's been actually a very good, uh, very good year for shipping. And I would say for all uh, involved uh, shipping banks, we are looking at a stellar year, not free of challenges, but on balance actually uh, quite good. So now all uh, hands on deck looking at uh, the future and the challenges that I'm sure we will touch upon in no time. Thanks, Vasilis. Yeah, I'll echo what Anastasia said. It's um, uh, clearly all segments have performed very strongly. Um, maybe with the exception of the container operators, but even there, you know, given the latest developments, <coughs> you've seen significant increases in rates in 24, and then, of course, the capital structures of the most of the corporates 
uh, are in a, in a very strong place and therefore they can weather, uh, you know, fluctuation in rates and uh, significant decreases. And also for many of the operators, you know, they've diversified their businesses and therefore uh, cash flow is not only being generated by uh, vessel operations. With regards to all other segments, I think you know they've been in a in a very strong uh, place, and therefore you know I think undoubtedly all portfolios have seen significant repayments. But at the same point in time, we've also had very meaningful uh, new originations, and therefore you know the needs of the industry is is very significant. There are multiple things that are coming into play, whether that's fleet renewal as a result of you know, ESG considerations, primarily of course, all solutions uh, that are there will be needed, whether that's consolidation. And I think increasingly uh, we're seeing more stability, further strength, and uh, a significant demand for uh, the, the capital uh, that the banks uh, uh, have to deploy. So it's, it's a very interesting mix. And I think, the, the, of course, you know, uh, you're seeing a contraction in terms of capital deployment to, I think, to the smaller ship owners, if you want to call it that, and significant uh, further capital for the larger ones, which is therefore creating a mismatch, I think, in terms of pricing considerations. Thanks, Vasilis. Uh, Christos? Well, I think it is our clients, really, that are weathering the storms and the challenges. We just have to select uh, the ones that, uh, you know, have the track record and have shown that they know how to weather the storms. And so that has been our job. And, uh, you know, we have a long track record now of observing how people behave. So it's, it's a bit easier to do. Um, having said that, it is a very uncertain time, as uh, the other panelists said. We have very high asset prices, and yes, the outlook in most segments is positive, so that counterbalances the, the, the prices some, somewhat. We have the decarbonization challenges that uh, we referred to. Basel IV is putting pressure on Western banks on the cost of capital. We have sanctions and the geopolitical uncertainty uh, that comes around it. But um, just to Vasilis's point, uh, last point about you know, availability of capital for smaller companies, I mean, we do see quite a bit of liquidity in, in shipping at the moment. And I would say that smaller companies, particularly in Greece, have managed to access maybe different pockets of liquidity than some of the bigger clients uh, do. But I will agree with you, Vasily, that indeed, you know, larger companies today tick more boxes. It's easier to raise uh, capital and uh, it's easier to get on the radar uh, screen of uh, the bigger financial institutions. But there is capital also for the smaller ones and we see it. Uh, be it alternative finance providers, be it um, a number of the Greek banks that are very active these days. So there is, there is a lot of money to, to go around. Thanks, Christos. And so, I mean, it was a, generally a, a positive start to the, 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 the finance and, and, and banking panel discussion, some, some, some positive things from, from last year. And I think probably, I suppose, picking up on what Christos mentioned, still lots of challenges ahead. Um, and I think we probably have a long list of those to, to go through. Um, but I suppose before picking um, on, on some of those challenges, I mean, I think in, in respect of the last year in particular, 
Um, I, I would ask the, the panelists, what, what was the, the biggest um, uh, challenge or what had the biggest impact on, on uh, lending uh, throughout the last year um, before we start to look forward? Uh, obviously, things like decarbonisation and some of the issues that Christos mentioned uh, in, in relation to sanctions, international trade. Uh, but, what, but what was the biggest thing that, that, that changed? And there did, there did seem to be a little bit of a change, whether that was more availability of capital and liquidity. Um, but, but what would each of the panelists say that had the biggest impact last year? Well, uh, from, from Avian Ambrose's perspective, uh, we were very keen to continue uh, generating good returns and with uh, ample liquidity uh, in the market and uh, prepayments, that was a balancing act, so we were very focused on returns. Um, cost of capital is already a topic and we will in a second turn to models, but it's something that we've been paying a lot of uh, attention to, which also reflects into um, our return analysis. Um, and, and the cost of liquidity, uh, I mean, it's a, dollar, it's a dollar business, so that's something that is quite important for um, a, a market which is 50%, uh, and in the 50% we would include uh, Citigroup, who is an American bank, but uh, quite a lot dominated by European banks who are predominantly funded in, um, uh, in euros. And a start into looking how to have assets that we believe that can be decarbonized in the time to come. So that's also something that was part of our uh, um, uh, new business intake, if you will. Great, thanks. Vasilis? Look, I, I think each and every element of, uh, of what Anastasia mentioned and also what, what you've indicated is something that is being considered every year. So I wouldn't say that, you know, uh, 23, <coughs> or looking forward to 24 is, you know, there are any different considerations, if you wish. Of course, the decarbonization element is, is an important uh, factor in determining quite a few things. But again, even there, there are no, you know, there are multiple solutions. There is no clear path, if you wish, and therefore, it, and I strongly believe that each and every solution is required. What is, what is extremely important as far as city is concerned is, is a clear view and a strategy and a willingness to go down the path of what is required to be done. Um, you know, as far as uh, city, you know, it's, we are not asset financiers, we are corporate financiers and therefore we look at the corporate as a whole, the cash flow generation of it and of course its balance sheet and everything else and therefore on the back of that be able to perform the corresponding analysis and see how it is that we can assist uh, across uh, all potential solutions. But uh, I would be saying, you know, the clearly, and, you know, 23 was a year of, you know, uh, a strong year for almost all segments, I would say. I think a year where significant transactions were executed, and uh, I think uh, the same pattern will follow in 24. And, we have seen a year where, yes, significant repayments have been uh, uh, have taken place as a result of excess liquidity, but also significant capital allocations have taken place, which have more than replenished uh, our portfolio. 
Right, and, and Christos, just to add a little bit to the, the question and, and one of the points that you raised earlier about um, uh, smaller owners and having access to, to finance as well. I mean, one of the topics we've discussed over the, over the years is, has been to do with competition and a different variety of, of, of funding these days with leasing um, and private equity. Uh, and, and, and different options available. That has now seemingly become you know, part of the everyday business. As, and, and to what extent has that kind of settled alternative source of finance actually helped support um, uh, the international bank finance and some of the more strategic goals as well there? Um, I, I mean, I can talk about you know, financing alternatives. I think we see, as I said before, there is plenty of capital. There is a lot of capital in the market and uh, certainly more capital than there are projects uh, because you know new buildings are scarce there is uncertainty about new technologies uh, but i see more of a distinction between financing sources in the west western world and financing sources in the east if we look at the western world you know european banks american banks to an extent we see a very big focus on decarbonization uh, that we do not see so much in the east um, we see uh, increasing costs coming with Basel IV. That's not something that is affecting or will be affecting Eastern, Eastern banks yet. Uh, yes, Western banks tend to be you know, more predictable uh, than banks in the East. But what I see is I see a heavy burden of regulation on Western banks, and I don't see it so much on the uh, Eastern, Eastern part of the world. Uh, what counterbalances there, as I said before, is the... Um, uh, higher uncertainty, uh, bigger geopolitical uh, risk, if you look at Taiwan, if you look at China, so, you know, borrowers are cautious. But I, I would say, you know, we start to see more of a bifurcation now, a lot of capital available, but, you know, different pros and cons. On the challenges um, that, that we spoke before, other than the geopolitical, the biggest one I, I, you know, I saw last year and what we've been you know, struggling with is really setting a, a realistic decarbonization path. I think um, sometimes we get too carried away. There are a lot of technologies, as Vasily said. There is a lot of uncertainty around this technology. There is a lot of risk around this technology. And while we encourage clients to look at them, experiment with them, I think it's extremely important that we look at ways of extending the life of existing vessels. There is a lot you can do with existing ships. There is a lot of investment you can put on existing ships to make them greener. And you know, common sense says that Rather than building something which is on an untested technology yet, yes, you should experiment on it, but the bulk of the effort should be on prolonging the life of existing ships, making them more efficient, making them greener, and meeting your uh, targets in that, uh, in, the, in that way. Great, thanks, Christos. And I think that moves on very nicely to the um, topic of decarbonization. And um, certainly, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I mean, a lot happens in 12 months. I think probably this time last year, um, there was uh, a lot more discussion in terms of actually focusing on you know, why it needs to be done and potentially having to, you know, uh, make the, the topic more real. Now, that, that seems, if, I, if, if I've seen, seen the market correctly, that it actually has almost turned a corner a little bit more, um, that there is a little bit more focus on the, on the, on the how and, 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 and when. Um, and I see, I know you're, you're, you're very uh, focused on the decarbonization aspects, and would you agree with that, that there has been a bit of a turning of a corner and focusing on how this gets done now? Uh, yes, I definitely agree that we are turning a corner. 
And um, if I would compare um, the amount of energy in the dialogue that we have with our clients' prospects, with our peer banks, uh, decarbonization is dominating this dialogue a lot more than it used to five years, uh, five years ago. So I think the direction of travel is very clear. Uh, we can have a long debate on, uh, on, on the speed of it. Um, I do think that um, the speed that will be driven by regulations, uh, whether we like it or, or, or not, that's what I uh, think uh, will be a driving force and also seeing more and more uh, climate disasters out there. So it is a huge challenge, but I think it's also a great, uh, a great uh, uh, opportunity. And uh, one thing that I want to mention um, to, the, uh, to the comparison that uh, Christos made uh, between the pros and cons of uh, West and East, if you look at uh, West, uh, our stakeholder, uh, stakeholders are somewhat different than those of East. So if you look at Western societies, um, there's quite a lot of push on decarbonization. We see a lot of uh, NGOs also being focused in continental Europe on that topic. So we have quite a complex and wide stakeholder group to, to manage as uh, uh, European banks. And we also have a regulator that is very keen that banks are the catalyst of this change. Um, so our role um, has also changed quite a lot in the past uh, 10 years. We are also guardians of, uh, of uh, client data and we need to think along of the solution. Something that really struck me a couple of weeks ago, our chief economics actually said uh, something uh, that I thought was, qu was quite positive. Um, so we always say at ABN Ambro, it's not our transition, it's the sustainability transition of our clients and we want to enhance it. So there's a challenge at hand for our clients and uh, we would like to take the opportunity to be part of the, uh, uh, part of the solution. Uh, it's going to be uh, complex and uh, probably take longer than what we all think and the solutions will be, uh, will be, va will be various. And um, just um, touching on a few of those uh, aspects, Vasilis, is that um, obviously there, there, there does seem to be this kind of uh, uh, hopefully positive um, uh, progress that uh, we're turning a corner. But I think one of the things that you've mentioned before that you know is potentially the the biggest fleet renewal project that we're looking at since the end of World War II. So you know it's it's certainly not to underestimate the the challenges ahead. And I just want to take your views on you know how, how big that challenge really is. Look, I, I think first of all, uh, what's extremely important, and I'm saying it both to to our regulators, to our stakeholders, and of course, you know, uh, to each and every person that you know wishes to listen to me, is that this industry is far uh, more advanced in its thinking about decarbonization versus uh, almost each and every other. Undoubtedly, the pressure that will be applied to uh, uh, the shipping industry will come from uh, the, the charters and the cargo providers. And that is, is coming. It's coming in force and, you know, because they, each and every uh, charter has made scope three uh, uh, commitments. Those, you know, of course, you need to go from scope one to scope two and then to scope three, but at some point, investors will be focusing uh, also on those commitments and how they are achieved. So uh, each and every solution that is out there uh, will be required. I think increasingly, 
there will be additional considerations that will come into play, which therefore means that solutions that may, one may be looking at today could be slightly different tomorrow, and that's because, you know, for example, um, if you, you need to prolong the life of the assets, you need to be in a position to, I think, increasingly, people will take into consideration the carbon footprint of a new building process. Been reading quite a few studies. Some people are even suggesting that it's 10 years of emissions of the corresponding vessel, 10 to 15 of the actual new building process and its CO2 footprint. So when will that come into play? It remains to be seen. But uh, it, it will, it, it undoubtedly will. And then also the other element, which I think is quite important, is yes, you, 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 you build a methanol vessel or an ammonia powered vessel. At, at, at the same point in time, it's the green hydrogen ultimately is, is how can it be used in the most efficient way? And therefore, I do believe that at some point it could be considered as, uh, you know, are you utilizing, even if you have the vessel that is effectively totally green, will you be allowed to, do a, to, to utilize these green molecules to effectively power the global fleet, or do you use it somewhere significantly closer to actual production of, the, of those green molecules? So I think all of these things uh, are extremely important. I think that's why I say, uh, you know, it's a journey. It's, the, the companies that we bank need to consider all of these uh, elements. I think they will come into play, which, make, which may make decisions significantly easier. And I think increasingly, at least for us, if I look direction travel of how we will look at the portfolio, is we will look at the CO2 emissions of the corporate as a whole and not the corresponding asset that we are financing. So you won't be able to get away with, okay, I have a fleet of, you know, 50 vessels which are old, but I have a brand new vessel and, you know, can you please finance it? That's not going to be, you know, you know it, or it will be if it's the beginning of a journey which takes you to where uh, we want to be part of. I, I agree 100% with what Vasily said. The challenge here is because there is so much uncertainty around and because indeed some of the greener fuels might be diverted to other industries because they make more sense from a global perspective, the trajectories that we tie ourselves to today have to be realistic or they need to give us sufficient flexibility to be able to adjust the route. Because what might happen is, you know, if we are very strict with, and with limited information today, we might be forced not to lend to the industry, and that we do not want to do. We want to be part of the transition. You know, we have been part of this industry for 100 years. We've seen vessels move from sails to steam and the combustion engine. We are going to be around now again, but we want to make sure that the commitments we make to our investors and to our stakeholders have enough flexibility to accommodate all this uncertainty that we see in the world. And again, common sense has to prevail. Resources need to be allocated efficiently uh, globally. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you should not be, we should not be forcing owners uh, to build ships that you know, they don't feel comfortable with because we only make available financing for these type of technologies. We should be pushing people, as I said before, to find ways to prolong the life of existing ships. And we need to make sure that these type of ships are accepted within the broader value chain, be it the charters and be it the, the overall trade. So common sense needs to prevail a little bit and the trajectories we communicate need to provide realism and flexibility uh, so that we are not forced to make suboptimal decisions as financial institutions.
If I may say one thing, I mean, a lot of talk about Poseidon principles, trajectories, and everything else, but fundamentally, the banks are following what the IMO is, uh, uh, is, is indicating, right? So we are regu heavily regulated institutions, and we are following the guidance of the global regulator for the industry that we're participating in. So it's not something that we have come up with and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I think that's extremely important for, for, uh, to be understood. And I think increasingly, uh, what I want to say to each and every one uh, that is here, your voice is extremely strong and needs to be heard more. The fact of the matter is, you know, I have countless situations in which, for example, there are LNG dual fuel vessels, and for the charter ultimately decides uh, you know, the, the, the bunker, the, how it will bunker, and if it's slightly more expensive, you know, even if it's, you know, uh, on the LNG side, then it's available, the charter usually goes if for one dollar, uh, you know, um, HFO. So that, of course, is something that needs to be discussed and, you know, uh, uh, and communicated clearly that ultimately there are some things that are within our control and some things that are not. Uh, but again, I, I do sincerely believe that this industry has gone, you know, five years ago, these discussions will not be had. And I think, you know, the, the future is very, very bright, especially when I see it versus every other industry uh, that we look at. It's, it's actually that exact point I wanted to pick, pick up on, say, looking back five years or ten years. I remember when our panel discussions were about LTV, financial covenants, and you know, very uh, more ordinary ship finance aspects. But it, I mean, it seems, seems these days, and, and I guess um, the banks and, and the panelists don't always get that much sympathy. Uh, but uh, just, just pausing a second, that actually, you know, um, from, from just being about financing assets, you know, the, the, the panelists are now chemists, naval architects, um, you know, geopolitical analysts, um, as well as the, the, you know, the, the wider picture, whether it, when it comes to choosing fuel choices, the type of projects that, that, that are gone, um, that, that, that are put forward and assessing that. So, and, and that's even before you get to things like uh, interest rates, Basel IV, capital requirements. So, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the face of international shipping banks has, has certainly changed. And I'll throw this question open to, to the panel. Um, that, uh, you know, how, how have, uh, um, you know, each of you and the banks faced those, those challenges of, of how ship finance itself has changed? whether to focus on things like decarbonisation or, or the whole um, um, changing shape of the challenges to shipping? I mean, ship financing and the way we look at risk evolves all the time. And yes, indeed, decarbonisation was not an issue in our analysis before. We used to call them credit papers. You know, credit is one of the aspects that we analyse now. But, you know, we have sanctions, we have, you know, geopolitical uncertainty that has a very big impact, you know, new technologies, you know, that has a very big impact. What is the life of a ship that's being built today? Is it going to be 20, 25 years? Is it going to be significantly shorter? So it's, it's a much more rounded analysis that, you know, we have to do rather than purely focus on the value of the asset today or the pricing, which is what we, uh, we did before. But this is what keeps, uh, keeps us uh, young and interested in the industry, right? Look, uh, it all comes down to client selection. As far as I'm concerned, um, we are following what our clients want to do. 
and we want to be there for the clients that we decide and the clients that want to do business with us and we want to do business with them for the projects that make sense and ultimately, uh, again, extremely important is to have uh, a, a strategic view as to where the company that you're either leading, owning, or be a part of as management, where do you want to go? And then we have clear views as to where we are going. Uh, and again, I do agree with Christos, you know, that there is a clear divergence in terms of where some institutions are going, and, uh, and, and it's not a competition. Uh, it's we, all the capital sources will be required for this monumental shift that needs to take place. I do sincerely believe, and we're seeing it already, that uh, the, the charters uh, on some segments uh, are beginning to apply significant more pressure. Uh, and therefore, I think increasingly the changes will be felt. So it's extremely exciting, and, uh, but I, I do uh, sincerely believe that the most important element for us is by far client selection and uh, uh, strategic thinking. Um, so I can only uh, echo what uh, Christos and Vasily said. Um, what I would like to add is uh, data the value of data and artificial intelligence. I really think that this industry is so rich on data and we have not taken maximum uh, uh, use of it. And looking at how the world is, is turning, um, that will be increasingly more important and that goes hand in hand uh, with uh, decarbonization. Um, we'll also be looking at more integrated uh, value chains as uh, capital and uh, finance uh, uh, providers because I do believe that also the business model will be changing, the role of charters, uh, the role of, of, uh, of uh, uh, ship owners. I very much agree what Vasily said is the, is the client selection, but is also the filters, if you will, and the assessments that uh, banks are doing, at least in the West, has changed significantly. So to your point, from very much like a credit view, we are, uh, we are looking at uh, a decarbonization view. So that also requires different skill set from ourselves. And I think this is where um, it's important to remain intellectually uh, uh, curious and work together. And I very much aspire to what you said, Vasilis. We are peers. I believe in competition, which is also the base uh, for game theory. This is going to be an incredibly uh, expensive transition and we need all hands on deck. Thank you, and um, I think as, as, as we're starting to run out of time, I think it probably gives a, a, a chance of one, one last topic and that's probably along the lines of, you know, um, exactly where each of the, the, the banks do see um, uh, 2024 uh, moving forward, what types of transactions, certainly you know, e each of the banks and the panelists involved in some uh, headline and record-breaking transactions over the last uh, year. Um, and I think I'll probably qualify that question uh, that uh, if, if everyone has a preference for exactly the same transaction, then, then we'll need to discuss who's, who's better for that transaction. So uh, what are the different ideas for, for 2024? Uh, maybe I start. I mean, what we see uh, is very strong markets, and you know we are very happy uh, for that. It's been many years since we've seen most of the shipping sectors pointing upwards. 
Now, typically, bankers complain when companies are over-levered. So we cannot complain now that they're making a lot of cash and they're paying down the debt. I think that's a very good thing and it's very healthy for the industry. We see quite a bit of consolidation uh, happening already. And uh, these are different ways that we work uh, with our clients. You know, we advised uh, Frontline in the acquisition of Euronav. We've seen a number of companies going private. We advised Gaslog on the take private of the MLP. We advised Hug on the take private of the MLP. So there are different ways to really use our banking skills in this market. And still, there are some you know, very good deals uh, that, that we see. Some of them uh, tied to capital market deals, but some not. You know, the banks here, we were part together with uh, City and ABN on the, on the Gaslog big refinancing uh, that showed a lot of appetite for good projects. We see banks putting bigger tickets forward. So we are working in different ways, and we are very happy to be working with companies that have very healthy balance sheets, uh, as opposed to struggling, which is the story we had you know, many times in the past. Now, look, I'll, I'll echo that. There are very large projects in, in play, uh, you know, with regards to 24. So I think watch this space. Uh, lots, uh, there are lots of things that are being that are happening as we speak, and undoubtedly will be announced uh, in the near future. I think you know all the transactions that uh, that uh, Christos mentioned were groundbreaking, you know, and 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 ultimately extremely important for the industry. Uh, we play part in advising our clients, providing capital, significant uh, capital in play, and also, of course, the, you be, being able to sort of provide a view to be able to uh, uh, utilize the various tools that are there for, for, uh, in order for uh, the corresponding companies to achieve what they want. And wh whether that's capital markets, whether that's private capital, of course, uh, bank financing, ECA, and, and of course, our, our advisory business. So all of that coming into play. And, and I think increasingly, though, uh, for this year, what, what I am seeing is very, very large transactions which are, uh, uh, are being structured as we speak and, and to be executed. Yeah, so what I would like to uh, add to everything that was said is that, um, yeah, we are peers and we are in this together. Um, of course, we have different geographic scopes, uh, we differ in size and our focus uh, uh, is uh, uh, now and then uh, different. For Avian Amber, what will be very important is the balancing act of uh, uh, still be a, a, a good partner for, for our clients and provide the, the right capital structures. Uh, while um, engaging on 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 um, on, uh, on ESG and uh, preparing for what's to come, and something that uh, I take great interest of actually is also engaging into new projects uh, um, as in new technology and how we could also look at different capital structures, so more seed capital, venture type of capital. We are a significant debt provider, but uh, we would also like to uh, take some uh, modest uh, stakes um, at, uh, in projects where we do believe they have a good chance to, uh, to scale up. Great, thank you. And I suppose just to sum up before uh, we do run out of time, it's, uh, it, it's been a positive uh, 23 um, and uh, work certainly started in the right direction. It, there's certainly more work to be done, lots more challenges out there. 
um, but there seem to be the financial tools to help that and, and progress. So I think on that note, uh, I'll just take the opportunity to, to thank my fellow panelists and, and everyone for listening. Thank you very much.